All right. Good morning. My name is Dwayne. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries, a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Today is September the 1st, and we are still working our way through the book of Acts. Last time we were together, yesterday morning, I had to pre-record that. I appreciate that. You guys, um, I had to slip away, spend a little time with my wife helping her out. Uh, but we finished session number 29, and we got down through chapter 17, verse number 17. So today we're going to pick up in 1718, Acts 1718. So let's go ahead and open our Bibles to uh, Acts 1718. Uh, for context, we see that Paul here is in Athens. He started out in Thessalonica, um, got ran out when some unbelieving Jews stirred up the crowd against him. He ran down into Berea, uh, where they, they were more noble than the Jews at Thessalonica, but the Thessalonican Jews uh, followed him down into Berea, stirred everything up, and of course they... They took him out of the city, and Paul went, as it were, to the sea, and Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they conducted Paul and brought him unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. So um, now we find him in chapter, in verse number 16, in Athens. Um, there we go. Um, now when, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given over to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Um, then certain of the, the Epicureans and the Stoics encountered him and said, what will this babbler say? Others, other some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Um, so notice Paul is waiting for them here at Athens. <clears throat> His spirit is stirred within him. Um, that means we talked about last time, that means that he was provoked in his spirit when he saw that the whole city was given over to idolatry, the worship of idols. And therefore, as a result of that, he disputed uh, with them in the synagogue of the Jews. And he disputed with the doubt, devout persons, and he disputed in the market daily with them that met with him. Um and of course, then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stoics, now these are Gentiles, encountered him and said, what will this babbler say? Now, Paul's teaching here is he's disputing in the synagogue with the Jews. Um, his preaching caught the ear of these certain philosophers. Now, Epicureans were a people who follow the philosophy of eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. Uh, Epicurus uh, taught what is called ataraxia, or ataraxia, which means living with no need and no distress. Uh, they were 
definitely uh, laid back. They that is pretty much the basic philosophy of the West today. Um, the first article, the Declaration of Independence. Uh, contains the phrase, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So the West is, um, is for the most part, Epicurean. Um, on the other side of that, when you get to the east uh, side of the world, they tend to be stoic, uh, which is the exact opposite. And you don't realize just how opposite uh, we all are until you have uh, lived overseas <laughs> and set students in a classroom, um, one half of which are Westerners and the other half of which are or Stoics. Um, so you'll have you'll be sitting in a classroom, and you'll have kids kids from the United States and Australia and Canada, uh, and you'll see the way that they interact, the way they respond uh, to life and things around them, and it is very different than the students sitting in the same classroom who have a who have a Stoic. Uh, background. Um, the Stoics, they believe that life should be lived uh, with logic and one should not allow themselves to be controlled by the desires for pleasure or the fear of pain by using one's mind to understand the world. So, so you had these Epicureans here and you had these Stoic philosophers here in Athens. They're complete worldview was very different and some saw some of them saw Paul as a babbler and others saw him as a setter forth of strange gods um, interesting the word babbler uh, comes from the word spermilagos which means seed picker or a gossiper in or trifler in talk uh, so that's spermo that probably uh, sounds familiar to you. Uh, literally talking about, you know, a spreader of seeds and someone, someone who just likes to talk. So when that's what you, what we mean when we call someone a babbler. And then notice in verse number nineteen, and they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, 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 Areopagus is how you pronounce that saying. May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest, for thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, and we would know therefore what these things mean. Notice that unlike the unbelieving Jews, who simply responded with violence at anything Paul said that they disagreed with, um, these wanted to hear more about this new doctrine. Uh, about this new, the word doctrine just means teaching. They wanted to hear more about these teachings. Um, you know, I used to teach uh, Bible doctrines and systematic theology. Uh, it just means biblical teachings, uh, studying the teachings of the Bible in a systematic way. Uh, 
so they wanted to hear a little more, these Stoics and these Epicureans. They wanted to hear a little more about this new doctrine that Paul was speaking about. Now, the Areopagus is the same as Mars Hill. Um, down in verse number 22, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill. Uh, Mars was a reference to the Greek god Mars. Uh, the Areopagus is a prominent rock outcropping located northwest of the Acropolis in Athens, Greece. Uh, it was the location, actually, of an ancient court uh, and was supposed to have been the site where Ares was tried by the gods for the murder of Poseidon's son. Um, so he's standing here basically in this ancient court and he's being questioned about this new doctrine that he is teaching. And of course, we know the, the Apostle Paul, um, he is disputing in the synagogue of the Jews. So obviously, this new doctrine that he's talking about that has come to their ears has got to do uh, with, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, they wanted to know a little bit more about it. Um, and then notice it says in verse number 21, for all of the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time and nothing else. Um, well, actually, did I back up to doctrine? There it is, doctrine, verse 21. For all of these, all the Athenians and the strangers which were there spent their time and nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. Now, notice that their motivation for wanting to hear what Paul, this new doctrine that Paul was bringing, was to hear something to and something new. You know, it's like our culture today. People are always looking for the next new thing. Um, you know, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> I mean, it's just rehashed. Uh, it's just repackaged. It's rebranded. It's placed back in another way. I mean, we look at uh, young people today wearing clothes that we wore when we were young people, um, except when we were wearing them, it was old and now it's hip. And <laughs> But all they're doing is, I mean, how many ways can you possibly dress a human being? Um, you know, guys go through times with skinny ties and then with fat ties, with... Uh, large lapels and small lapels and straight leg jeans and skinny leg jeans and bell bottom jeans and, you know, waist above the belly button, waist below the belly. I mean, there's only so many ways. It just, it's cyclical. There's nothing new under the sun. It just, you know, um, but we're constantly looking for the next new thing. Uh, just like our culture today, it, it, nothing's ever changed. Um, while there is nothing wrong with being willing to listen to, quote, new things, we must ultimately take the evidence that is presented, which requires energy on our part, and must um, make sure that it is accurate. Um, so when, you know, I'm not closed-minded. I mean, when someone brings something to me, you know, um, duly noted, you know, um, it's like an old friend of mine used to tell me, believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see. Uh, you got to take it to the scripture. You know, sometimes 
I know I've said things in this study through the book of Acts that you're like, whoa, I've, ne I've never... Well, compare Scripture with Scripture, just like the Bereans, and see if these things be so. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, you know, there, there's nothing new. I mean, these guys had never heard this before, and they just wanted to hear a little bit more about it. Um, so if I've learned anything, is that we are constantly being presented with new information that requires the same process. Um, I read things, you know, that... Uh, constantly. And, and again, you can't be a student and be lazy. Um, most people are just lazy. Um, we, we stop reading books. I mean, the statistics on people that do not read a book after they graduate from high school is like staggering. Uh, I mean, we just, we're not curious. Um, you know, and that, that's what really kind of just irritates the daylights out of me is, is Christians can be lazy. Um, we just, we never challenge ourselves. We never question the assumptions. We never, well, you know, where does it say that? You know, we just, we kind of go along with it. And that's what separates, I believe, a, a, a true disciple um, is that he has, he, he's curious. They, they want to know. They want to point to the scriptures. They they're, they're not satisfied with what they've always heard or what, um, you know, and I guess that's what makes me a teacher, you know, I'm, uh, but I mean, if you want to be a good student, you, you've got to, if you want to be a good teacher, you got to be a good student. I study a lot harder than my students. Um, when I pastored for years, I would study the text. I would read the text. I would, you know, and I wouldn't probably give back 10% of what I studied in any given service. 90% of it just got filed away for future reference. Um, so if you want to be a teacher, you've got to be a good student. Um, and if you, you know, I mean, and that requires curiosity. That requires um, energy uh, that most do not have uh, today. They, they're just not interested. They have no spiritual appetite. Uh, and that's sad. Um, and then notice in verse number 22, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, whom I declare unto you. Notice he says that I perceive that you are too superstitious. Um that is an interesting word uh, when he says you are superstitious. Um, notice the word there. Um, you can see the word uh, diaz, um, deamon, esteros. Um, what does that word mean? Well, you might be able to see right in the middle there. Um, Demon. <laughs> um, you might be able to see the word demon there. Um, notice it says in, um, let me see. I'm going to pull this out right here for you. Notice right there, you see that word uh, where we get the word demon. Um, it is the compound. In other words, it's a compound word 
of a derivative of these two words. Now, if you look at these two words, the first part of this Greek word uh, means um, fearful. So, fearful what? The second part of this Greek word is demons. <laughs> so, the word superstitious means fearful of demons. Um, today, we would interpret, interpret it to mean simply a reverence for the supernatural or a respect for the supernatural. But that's what the word actually means. Uh, fearful of demons are a reverent respect for the supernatural. Um, so when Paul says unto them, I perceive in all things that you're too superstitious. Uh, that is what he is saying there in verse number 22. Um, and then as such, they even worshipped at the altar of the unknown God in apparent ignorance. Now, why do I say that? Because if you look at it, it says, You are too superstitious, for as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, which you ignorantly worship. Um, Paul is not being very seeker-sensitive there. Um, um, that word ignorance is where we get the word agnostic. Um, notice it says, uh, you ignorantly, agneo, okay, it means not to know. So Paul here is saying, you are ignorant in worshiping this unknown God. Now, and what he's saying there, he's not calling them stupid or anything. He's just saying, um, you're so superstitious that you're going to miss one. You even created one to catch what you don't know. In other words, you've, you've developed all these altars to worship all these gods that you do know, but out of fear, you've even set up an altar so you don't offend the gods that you don't know. Um, in other words, they don't even know who this God is, and yet they still choose to worship it. So he's basically saying, you obviously acknowledge that you do not know all of the gods, or you wouldn't have this one to the unknown God that you're obviously ignorant about. Well, I'm going to tell you about the one you're missing. And that's going to lead him into verse 24 God made all the worlds and all things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and of earth, and dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is he worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath to all things. And he has made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed in the bounds of their habitation. And so he got, Paul says, let me tell you about this unknown God that you don't know about yet. So Paul is going to continue to preach uh, to the folks here in Athens, both Jew and Gentile. In the synagogue, of course, the Jews were there. These Epicureans and these Stoics are, are Gentiles. And he is going to begin preaching to them. So 
All right, guys. Well, uh, that's about our time for today. Tomorrow we'll start breaking down uh, verses 24 and 25. Um, good to see you guys this morning. Um, Scott said, we're accused of this in teaching the mystery versus prophecy. Yes, sir, we are. And they're just too lazy, brother, to break it down. They're, they're too lazy to study it for themselves. Um, I tell them, you know, in Acts chapter 2, show me where it says happy birthday. Um, <laughs> there is nothing uh, that says the church the body of Christ was born in Acts chapter number two. Nothing. Uh, the scriptures simply do not um, say that. Um, so, um, and again, it's a misunderstanding of what happened in the Gospels. Um, Repent, be baptized for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not here. It wasn't an offer. It couldn't be an, have been an offer until after Christ had been crucified and resurrected from the dead. So the first legitimate offer of the kingdom had to have occurred after the, the death, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Christ. And that's what Peter did. That's why Peter was given that authority to bind and to loose uh, and the keys um, and that's what he did in Acts chapter number two. Um, again, you know, just people are lazy. Um, that's, you know, they're just not willing to study. So I get accused of that all the time, which, like I said, I, I think, I think people should, when you hear something new, you need to question it. There is no doubt. But the only way you can question it, sure, you, you're going to have to rely on what you've heard or what you know. Uh, I mean, the only thing you know is what you know. Um, but at the same time, we need to go to the scriptures and see if these things be so, just like the Bereans did. And that requires study. That requires an expenditure of energy that most are just too lazy uh, to do. Um, and again, it takes study. It takes study. Um for that to happen. That's why Paul spent so much time disputing and contending using the scriptures, you know, to show them who the Christ was, why he must need suffer. You know, he, he was, he had to be a student first, but they had to be willing to be students as well. So very true statement. Well, God bless you folks. I hope that you have a great day. Tomorrow morning, 6.30 a.m. We'll be back together. God bless.